Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today in this monster episode, we're going to be talking about the Sons of Caius. And I've got that pronunciation from the Greyhawk wiki. So if it's wrong, complain to them about it. So, as I said before the intro, we're going to be talking about the Sons of Caius, who is an undead-themed demigod from the Greyhawk setting. The Sons of Caius first appear in the Fiend Folio for AD&D 1st Edition. So, love, I can see you've got the Fiend Folio there. What does it say about the Sons of Caius? Well, for starters, in this version, Caius was an evil high priest creating the creatures under the instruction of another evil deity rather than the deity himself. Well, I know from looking at the Greyhawk wiki that it says Caius was a follower of Nerul, who is like the overall god of the dead, before becoming a demigod. So I suppose it's possible they just hadn't sort of advanced mm-hmm. the plot line to that point or they hadn't firmed up what they wanted to do with Caius then. But you're right, that is quite interesting. So... They create a 30-foot zone of fear. They regenerate two hit points around and undead, so uh, they're damaged by fire, lightning, acid, holy water and religious symbols. Is there anything particularly noteworthy about them? What do they look like, for instance? So, they look like a big rotten zombie, but with big fat green worms crawling all over them. And this is where we get to their, like, call attack that they do okay which is they have two claw attacks and then they also have a and then they also have a worm attack sounds unpleasant the worm tries to jump onto nearest thing it can that's alive basically so probably the person who's being attacked so usually it's going to be the player character that's fighting them and then tries to turn them into one of these sons of chaos and how does that work in terms of like the mechanics? So, it does a normal attack to hit. Yeah. If it hits, it's landed on you and it's attached to your skin. Okay. Then you get 1d4 rounds while it's burrowing through your body to get to your brain. Ooh. During that time, you can use Remove Curse or Cure Disease to get rid of it. Neutralise Poison or Dispel Evil to delay it. Alright, okay. Once it reaches your brain, you become a son of Caius. And then they're treated as mummies for anything on the cleric table. So and they're undead, so they're immune to mind effects. Yeah, and there's a little uh, black and white picture there of this sort of like shambling zombie creature with like sort of raggedy bandages on it and all these like worms crawling over it, which is fairly unpleasant. Now, if I remember correctly, the the version of it that appeared in AD&D 2nd Edition in the Greyhawk Monstrous Compendium is pretty similar, to be honest, to the first Ed version, which isn't surprising that they're very similar, the sort of two systems. Again, they're described as horrible undead beings that convert humans and demi-humans to their own kind. Um, it says they're often mistaken for zombies, 75% chance it says. Uh, they're surrounded by a spherical zone of fear 30 feet in diameter those who fail saving throws versus spells like flee in horror mm-hmm. Some sons can be turned by priests treating them as mummies still 
uh, they regenerate a couple of hit points around. They're exceptionally strong. They still attack with two f- fists. And they still have the disease involving the worms that slightly converts people or are infected into Sons of Caius, which works pretty much the same way, to be honest. You can use cure disease or remove curse. Otherwise, if it reaches your brain, you die and you rise again. as one of these horrific abominations. We get Habitat Society. It describes Caius as an evil high priest who created the first of the creatures via a special curse under instruction from an evil deity. So they're still not wrapping Caius as a, a deity himself. Sons are completely insane, according to this. There's no pattern to their wanderings. Some stalk dungeons or ruins where they died. Others conceal themselves within crypts, and a few just walk the land. Rumours persist that high-level evil clerics sometimes use them to spread terror, promising the sons eternal rest for their cooperation. The worms are tied to the curse of the sons, but exactly how remains a mystery. It is known the worms cannot survive apart from a victim or on a son. Worms that fail to burrow into a victim die as soon as they touch the ground. And that's pretty much all we get in the second ed Aiding the Greyhawk Monstrous Compendium. The stats are pretty similar. Again, the picture shows a sort of raggedy-ass, mummy-looking type undead with worms coming out of the eye sockets and stuff like that. Now, I believe in 3rd edition they didn't appear until monster manual too but they've got like a little bit of a rebranding when they reappeared they were the spawn of caius rather than the sons of caius so what does it say about them in there it does indeed say that caius is a powerful evil cleric turned demigod ah there we go so a bit of clarification that's quite yep. cool uh they are completely mad they wander caverns crypts and sometimes open countryside looking for victims they look like rotten zombies they've got the worms occasionally they've got bits of leftover clothing that are still like clinging to them Mm -hmm. Uh, they actively try so they can be created by a cleric of 16th level or higher oh so that's a bit different because obviously it didn't Mm -hmm. give you any guidelines on that before you use create greater undead and you require diseased maggots in addition to the normal material components so i'm guessing this is something not many good clerics are going to be doing well i should imagine not Uh, to be honest like disease plague ridden like wormy undead it doesn't sound like a good cleric thing third ed was always the one that gave you the most options for playing the bad guys as i remember yeah probably yeah so looking at the combat section their main motivation is effectively to create more of themselves okay by create spawn is the power they've got here but it's effectively the same burrowing worm thing so sticking a worm in somebody it goes into a bit more detail on all the numbers and stuff but it pretty much works out the same and it's a bit more specific here and there. You've got the same spells to go against it. They do the fear aura. They've got a couple of extra combat powers, including fast healing. 
I presume they've got the normal undead resistances and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you would expect, dark vision, sixty feet, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I see they've got a, a nice bit of like colour art in there, showing a particularly sort of gangly-looking skeleton again with these green worms. Yeah, that's out of it. very tales from the crypt. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So they also appeared in fourth edition however they were a template creature in fourth edition so you could pretty much add the template to any type of creature you saw fit to turn them into a spawn of cayuse so instead of just having like a set of stats you'd start off with a different creature or npc or whatever you plonk this template on top of them so you have a lot more variation in their sort of their basic stats but the sort of abilities they get from the template are pretty similar they have they regen um 10 points around they have a fear aura anyone within it takes minus two penalties to attack rolls and then they have the touch of cayuse which is a power that they have to recharge but again they they hit people they get an ongoing 10 necrotic damage which means like, as long as you keep failing your saving throws, you're going to keep taking that 10 damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the target contracts the Worms of Cayuse. And the Worms of Cayuse is obviously the disease, the sort of worms that infect people, but it gets its separate little write-up here as like a disease. Um, the initial effect is you regain only half the normal hit points from healing. If it gets worse and goes into its final stage... Um, you regain only half the normal hit points from healing. In addition, each time the afflicted creature fails to improve, it takes five necrotic damage that cannot be cured until the disease is removed. If the afflicted creature dies, it immediately arises as a level equivalent spawn of Cayuse. So, pretty similar, just varied slightly for the mechanics of 4th edition. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be misunderstanding this with the 4th edition one. Yeah. But the thing that it spawns into here needs to be level 11 to survive the process. Is that correct? It's weird, because it seems to suggest that. However, the disease doesn't place any sort of strictures on that. So I just say a level 11 plus disease. I'm I'm not really up on the 4th edition disease rules, to be perfectly honest. Surprisingly enough. So maybe it adds 11 levels to you because it gives you all this gribbly stuff, but then, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, that seems a little bit steep for what yeah. they get from this. But, um, yeah, I'm afraid, as I say, I'm not really up on the 4th edition disease rolls. So It just struck me that if they did need to be level 11 to survive the process, mm-hmm. it'd give the creatures a lot more reason to go hunting player characters yeah yeah but also it'd explain why there's not just shed loads of them everywhere from them just going to villages and hey there future john here i'm just looking up the disease rules for fourth edition and the way it works in fourth edition is when you are exposed to a disease you risk becoming infected if you're infected you suffer the initial effect of the disease and you move down a disease track so effectively 
each disease has three states uh, arrayed on a row of effects cause the disease's track there's the initial effect and then as the disease progresses you get worse moving along the track towards the final state or if you improve you move up the track towards being fully recovered when you're infected you make an endurance check after each extended rest to see if you improve worsen or maintain your current condition a disease will specify two target endurance difficulty classes a lower dc to maintain and a higher dc to improve and it seems as though the levels that we were talking about on the disease are just there to sort of as an abstract measure of like how dangerous they are rather than sort of being related to character levels strictly speaking I now return you to your regularly scheduled program. So after fourth edition, I believe they appeared in Volo's Guide to Monsters in fifth edition. Again, still as the spawn of Caius rather than the sons of Caius. So what's fifth edition got to say about the unpleasant fellas? So, Caius was a high priest of Orcus who plundered corpses from the necropolis to create the first spawn of Caius. Even centuries after his death, his mad disciples continue performing the horrific rites he perfected. Uh, we've got the same basic setup zombie creature, big green worms. Uh, carrying diseases, undead, so basic undead traits that you'd expect, and then the burrowing worm thing as an action here in 5th ed. Okay, so the burrowing worm ability in 5th edition, it says, a worm launches from the spawn of Caius at one humanoid that the spawn can see within 10 feet of it. The worm latches onto the target's skin unless they can make a DC-11 dex saving throw. The worm is a tiny undead with AC-6, one hit point and a 2 in every ability score. I mean it has a speed of 1 foot. Whilst on a target's skin, it can be killed by normal means or scraped off using an action. The spawn can use this action to launch a scraped off worm at a humanoid it can see within 10 feet of the worm. Right, so the, the spawn literally has to like spend an action to like one of these worms off itself and like lob it at somebody mm -hmm. rather than just like beating him with his fists. Otherwise, the worm burrows under the target's skin at the end of the target's next turn, dealing one damage to it. At the end of each of its turns thereafter, the target takes 7 or 2d6 necrotic damage per worm infesting it, maximum 10d6. A worm-infested target dies if it drops to zero hit points, then rises 10 minutes later as a spawn of Cayuse. If a worm-infested creature is targeted by an effect that cures disease or removes a curse, all the worms infesting it wither away. Right, so what was confusing me here yeah. was the actual attack mm. was a normal attack on the other one, and then it takes this many rounds to affect you, yep. and whatever. Now, this one, it's obviously sapping at your hit points. Yeah. So if, if we look here, we can see on actions that... Uh, but surely a worm burrowing through your skin once it's under your skin, it's not going to make that much difference whether you're like the ultra-hard barbarian or the skinny wizard as to how long it takes to get from, say, your hand 
to your head and burrow into your brain. I don't see why the barbarian should get more rounds for that to happen. Because that's effectively what happens there, isn't it? Well, I think, as is often the case with D&D, there's a certain level of abstraction involved. Because Strange of D&D doesn't include yeah. like a sort of detailed system to measure the progression of things through your body. Um, but as we're saying, if you look at the, the spawn of Caius here, the multi-attack feat means they make two attacks with the claws, mm-hmm. and they can also use burrowing worms, so they get two attacks with the claws, then they peel off one of these worms, lob it at someone, and it infects them. What? So, what I mean is, it didn't make sense to me because that doesn't seem as sensible as the system that they had before, which was simpler. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not saying it's wrong or anything. It's fifth ed. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think played it as a game. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a push in fifth edition towards the more sort of like superheroic slash like high fantasy sort of end of things. And that's not saying that's bad if that's your jam. Crack on, but obviously here we know that like when you get to a high level, it's only in fifth edition you can have like scads of hit points. Mm-hmm. So if you're like you said like you're a you're like, like a fifth level fighter or something you. You could be having like 50 hit points if you're lucky. So, this creature, like, taking like an average of like seven damage on you around, you still got like a good like five, six rounds to act to like get any of these spells cast on you, get rid of the creature, etc. Where, and I think there's a move to having things that are sort of easily tracked, and obviously, hit points, although they're not ideal. They are like an easy thing of measuring your health, which is already on your character sheet. So you can look at your character sheet and go, oh, I've only got three hit points left. I'm taking seven around. That, that means I'm brown bread at the end of this round, unless something gets done. Whereas if you're... And that can be tracked by the player. Whereas with your previous one, where it's like so many rounds or so many minutes, obviously the GM has to track that. And if it's not measured in rounds, it's measured in minutes. Like I think a round's like six seconds in D&D. So you've got like a, if it's like a few minutes, you've got like a long old number of rounds to like get yourself sorted out. Whereas potentially, if you're lower level and you're losing seven hit points around, that could do you in like a round or two. So I, I think they're just slightly different ways of approaching the same thing. I personally agree with you. I would prefer the the sort of time description because, mm-hmm. but that does place the onus more on the GM. Because the GM's got to describe, you know, like, oh, a few minutes have passed, oh, you're starting to feel sick, oh, these effects are starting to take place. It, it's more descriptive, it's more loose, it's not tied so much into the mechanics, if you see what I mean. Which I, which I love, I mean, because I think it's a great opportunity for roleplay. But the, there's definitely a move, not just in 5th edition, but sort of later on, as we progress through, to have everything sort of, like, be governed by the mechanics. So there's... There's not as much need for the GM to like come up with it off the top of their head and to interpret it. It's a simple case of like, oh, I've been infected by these this um, spawn of Caius. I've My hit points are going down. Look at how many hit points I've got left. That tells me how long I've got left. All you've got to do then is remember that every round you're taking seven hit points of damage. So 
I, I do see I do actually see your point it's it's not my preferred way of doing it because I I think hit points are great for an abstract sort of thing in combat but I find them a bit lacking when it comes to representing other things so minutia of various different editions of rules aside how would you use these in a game well I was going to say before we get to that first I wouldn't actually mind not dropping a bit of information about Caius we've, right. we've mentioned him obviously he's behind these spawn of these sons as they're called in an earlier edition described as like an evil cleric an evil priest a high level priest a demigod According to the Greyhawk wiki, which is www.greyhawkonline.com, Caius is a demigod concerned with the creation and mastery of the undead, known also as the Bone Master. The Worm God and the Herald of the Age of Worms. His symbol is a skull erupting with writhing green worms. Very appropriate. In his divine form, he appears as a towering humanoid shaped entirely of green worms, with two eyes peering beneath the hood of his ragged cloak. And that puts me in mind of that um, Lovecraft story where, like, I think it's a witch or a wizard is buried, and they, like, reform their body out of the worms that have, like, fed on their body, and they're just sort of, like, this ragged figure in a ragged robe, but underneath it's all worms making up the body, like, around the bones, which I think is pretty cool. Um... It, on the Greyhawk wiki, it describes Caius revering Nerul, as I mentioned earlier, as a mortal, although his current relationship with Nerul is unknown. No mention of Orcus, as in the later editions of D&D, but Orcus is like the demon prince of undead, so I can see why they, they sort of lumped them together. The holiest text of Caius's faith is a set of metal plates foretelling a coming age of worms. And very broadly, this is like, you know, that sort of future sort of like apocalyptic age that's going to come about when like death and decay are going to become ascendant. And obviously there's various evil cults working to bring about this worm apocalypse that's supposedly going to happen at some point in the future. And in fact, they did an adventure path in Dungeon Magazine from July 2005 through to June 2006, which was called The Age of Worms Campaign. And it was a series of adventures designed to take characters from 1st to 20th level. And obviously that was all wrapped up in people trying to bring about this Age of Worms. So, that's what we've got on Caius. So you're asking me whether I can think of any ways to use these in a game. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, first of all, with the, the spawn of Caius, I'm going to keep calling him the spawn of Caius just because that's the most current name, and so I don't have to keep saying both of them. But this applies equally to the sons of Caius from the earlier version. I think the problem with them, and the problem with a lot of undead, really, is that if you take away the sort of, like, the infectious disease element most undead aren't particularly interesting when you look at them in isolation so look at like your normal animated skeleton if you ignore like where it is who created it and stuff like that it's just a bag of bones with a sword you moved around by magic it attacks you you deal with it dealt with likewise with the spawn of Caius, if you take away the infection they're just a particularly unpleasant form of undead who like run towards you, they attack you, they try and get you with this disease. You deal with them, you maybe have to cast a few spells to cure the disease. 
happy days that's I dealt with but that's in isolation the main thing that makes these undead interesting for me is like where they come from and who created them and obviously we've we found that in later editions where they've gone from things that only a demigod or like a really high sort of like uber cleric can make to any high level like evil cleric with the right spells can potentially knock these creatures up and it's implied in almost like the Greyhawk wiki and the Age of Worms stuff that they that they sort of act as proxies for Caius, whose eventual aim is to bring about this Age of Worms, this sort of Age of Decay and Death. So I find it interesting to think of well, if they're these, if they are proxies for this demigod, does he actively like seed this information out there about how to make them? so that our evil clerics will stumble across it and make some of these creatures and when they're like pursuing whatever tasks evil clerics are set for them because if you create undead normally you can command them are they actually working towards the aims of Caius himself or is he just happy to sit back and let the evil clerics do their thing knowing that like they're evil clerics they're probably up to no good and eventually it's all going to bring about this age of decay that I want so it's that sort of background element that I find really interesting about them. And if you want to sort of pare it down a bit from the demigod scale, let's take it to the level of there's an evil cleric. He's made some of these spawn of Caius and he's sent them out. Who is that evil cleric and what made him decide that, oh, I know what the best thing is to accomplish my goals, is to make someone dead that can infect people with worms and turn them into more undead filled with worms it's a very sort of specific type of undead and obviously it has that whole create spawn and turn other people into undead which is a fairly horrifying ability when you actually think about it especially in this case because it's not like a vampire you know they they drain someone's blood they rise after a few days as a vampire spawn under the control of their master in this case it's a parasite represented using the disease mechanics that literally sort of worms its way, no pun intended, into your body, makes its way to your brain at the centre of your being, kills you, and then you don't even get to like rest afterwards when you're dead, which most of us would hope we'd be sort of resting peacefully when we're dead. But no, that's not the case you're resurrected as one of these creatures and i can see why they've used the disease rules because it does work very much like a disease you know one person gets infected they pass it on to some other people they get infected they pass it on to some more people and can you imagine if you could like loose one of these spawn of cayuse in like a uh, sort of like a, a metropolis or something like that or somewhere like Waterdeep, and it wasn't stopped quickly can you imagine how many spawn of Caius you might potentially have like after a week, a month, or like, heaven forbid a year? So I think you could definitely use these as like um, a sort of an analogy for a, a disease or a plague or something like that in your games if you wanted to and you didn't think it was a bit too much on the nose given what's going on in the real mm-hmm. world at the minute. <laughs> I, I also think as well, like um, I was saying, the, the link to the... The mythos story, which say the the name escapes me now, to be honest, where the 
future John here again. The Lovecraft story that I was referring to is called The Festival and introduces the idea that the soul of an evil person or a devil can corrupt the very worms and dull scavengers of the earth and cause them to form a body to house the evil soul. So let's get back to your regularly scheduled program. The, the idea is that like some people are so evil that even when they're dead, like that evil sort of resides in them. So in this case, it's like the, the wizard or the sorcerer, and when like the maggots and whatever eat all the flesh from his bones, they absorb that evil into themselves, and he sort of gains like a half life. Whereas these is this human made of all these worms formed into a rough human shape around his bones. I think they they could be used in an interesting way as like a horror story for that. Or if you wanted to do like your standard sort of zombie apocalypse vibe, but you wanted something a bit different rather than like your standard D&D zombie, which let's face it, isn't really like your sort of zombie apocalypse movie, then you could use the spawn of Caius. So while we were looking at this, I was trying to remember a film that I'd seen probably 20 years ago which I think was called Night of the Creeps. Okay. Where it's zombies that are spread by these, like, weird alien worms, and it's a proper cheesy 80s zombie movie. We'll have to have a look for it since it's nearly Halloween. Um, one of these very much sort of teenagers versus the Gribbly Monster of the Week sort of pulp gore movies. Okay. That sort of vibe would probably be what I would use this kind of monster for. Maybe you've got a group who they've been getting a bit cocky, they're proper thump monkeys, they've wiped out your last three dungeons, you want to bring them up against something that is going to be properly scary. So you put them in a fairly isolated area with a few NPCs yeah, and one of these monsters... And at first they're going to think, zombies, no problem. Uh, and then they're going to get into a combat with one of these things. And then they're going to have four rounds or one of them's gone. Yes, yeah. And then things get real. Yeah, I mean, I could see you doing a sort of a twist on, like, you know, like, Night of the Living Dead. And obviously not the whole film, but you know the bit when, like, the characters are, like, trapped in the house at the end? Mm -hmm. And they're surrounded by zombies. I could see maybe not, and it's like I think it's is it a young girl who's like infected and goes mm -hmm. on to infect her mum, and it spirals out of control. But I could see like maybe if you're in like um, if you don't want to use loads of them like a big swarm, maybe like you're at an isolated farmstead or whatever, or a small hamlet. There's no help for miles around. You maybe like one of the people in the village you're staying in like this little hamlet or whatever one of the people in the village is ill maybe the villagers say like, oh can you come and have a look see if there's anything you can do or like a local herbalist can't do anything and whilst that um that that guy by the time they get there maybe the guy's already died but he rises up again as one of these spawn of crows maybe infects one or two of the other people and then you could play out a whole sort of like a, almost like a sort of a secret spy style story where like you never know like who's infected see 
the infection's so quick that I don't think you could make it work like that. Yeah, I think you'd have However, to stretch it out a bit if you're going to do that. I think that you could get a lot of mileage out of the horror element of having one of the player characters walking around with big green worms falling out of their face while the rest of the player characters still have to fight that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And know that it could happen to their characters as well at any moment. That That's a pretty scary, horrific idea if you played it right. And if not, you could play it to be sort of more of the, like, Evil Dead gore factor if that's more the taste of your group. Yeah, I mean... I think as well, I mean, if we if we take it, I mean, we're talking about sort of like different ways you could use it there and some great ideas there. But I think as well, if we sort of paired it back down to like the basic like old school, like dungeon crawling style of D&D, it seems very much to me like this monster's designed to be another one of like, you know, I've referred to them as far as like trap monsters, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, it looks like a normal monster, but oh, here's the twist, mm-hmm. here's the trap. And in this one, they're clearly designed, I mean, the rules even say in like Second Dead, they're designed to look like zombies. They're designed to trick the player characters into thinking, oh, it's just some zombies, you know, we're, we're Billy Biggins, we'll like get our weapons out and we'll deal with them. But it's that trap of like, oh no, it's not just zombies. Maybe the fighter who's like all like cocksure of himself and just like runs in, he's probably be the one the one who's gonna get infected. So which it seems to and I don't say trap as in like, oh it's designed to like unfairly take advantage of the player characters. It seems to me like it's designed to encourage the sort of behaviour that works well in a dungeon crawl setting. Because you're encouraged, you know, be cautious, you know, get your 10-foot pole, be checking the walls for traps and stuff like that. Don't just go belting down the corridor. There might be a gelatinous cube there or a trap or hidden monsters or anything like that. And this monster seems to encapsulate some of that idea. So if you just go, oh, zombie, and you go romping in, you're going to end up infected, and then it's a race against time to try and get the right spell cast on you, get you out of the dungeon whatever whereas if you're a bit more cautious and there are telltale signs it's not a normal zombie so maybe your cleric tries turning them and they they turn as mummies so if you're alone of a cleric or whatever you ain't going to be turning them now if the gm's like oh i'm afraid your turning doesn't work and you're like but they're just zombies if i was the cleric in that situation i'd be like maybe they're not just normal zombies there's something going on here like maybe we should hold back a bit guys there's also visual clues with like the green worms on them and stuff like that because they're described as like these fat sort of green worms so they obviously don't just look like your normal like maggots that might be on your standard zombie so for me it seems like it's a monster designed to like punish you if you just rush in but also to reward you if you're displaying appropriate care and attention to the descriptions but obviously the gm's got to describe them adequately mm-hmm. in order for you to take advantage of that i think if it was just they were just described purely as zombies and you go romping in and then you get infected or whatever i could see people not being too happy about that but on the other hand if the gems are called these zombies are like coming towards you they've got bandages on them and there's these strange like fat green worms like crawling all over them and like dropping off them then the fact the GM had gone to that level of a description and specifically mentioned there were fat green worms, even if I didn't know what this creature was, would cause me to at least sort of hold off for half a moment 
and think, oh, like, can we investigate this? Can we find out a little bit more about them? What do we know about this location that might tell us a bit more about it? Which I think is sort of, it really reinforces that ethos of like the old school sort of D&D dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. Very much. Okay, well, that's been our episode on the Sons or the Spawn of Caius. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with us, perhaps tell us if you use this creature in your game or suggest creatures you'd like to see in the future, or indeed any subjects for future episodes you'd like to see, then you can drop us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. There's a link in the description of this show. Or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. And shortly after this episode goes up, we'll be putting a poll on Twitter so that you get a say in what monster we get to look at next from the classic first edition fiend folio so until we see you next time take care stay safe and keep gaming bye see you later